Welcome to the Inspired Peak Performance Flowcast. Drop in as we dive deep into the epic moments of high performance from around the world, where we aim to unlock the valuable insights into their vision and the strategies applied in the pursuit of their own version of greatness. We'll discuss the experiences that led them there and what state they were in when they arrived. I'm your host, Paul Price, and this is The Flowcast. Today's conversation is with none other than Emil Studham and AFL legend Paul Ruse. Emil and Paul are two of the founders of Performance by Design and are a part of an extraordinary team of accomplished leaders from both the professional sports and business world. Performance by Design align with organizations and high-performing teams to design their performance-driven cultures to ensure a dynamic and congruent environment between their people, framework, and systems. Get set for this deep dive into culture, leadership, and performance with the legends themselves. Gentlemen, welcome to the Inspired Peak Performance Flowcast. How are you, mate? Thanks for having us. Yeah, no. See you, mate. I've been pumped to, uh, to chat with you both about this and uh, get stuck into some of the work you guys are doing, some of the great the great things you're up to. And so, yeah, so why don't we start? Um, you know, I love the we've got the blend of we've got a big sporting uh, perspective on this and we've got the business perspective on what performance by design brings to the table and how culture really can influence um, sustainability of performance and how that also affects well-being, which is speaking to my heart of performance and well-being as well so let's just get a little background for some of the listeners on how did performance by design come to be and 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 really what's the impact that you're really hoping to make with the work that you're doing yeah Yeah, Emil maybe you want to take that because it's probably a meal's meal I don't know it's meal's brainchild but it was sort of a a, I think you unearthed the original email Emil didn't you just recently yeah yeah actually um I have it you're right trying, here. You try to remind everyone who, who the boss was. <laughs> so no, sort of, this will give you a bit of this will give you a really clear understanding. Yeah, of it's really cool. So the obviously we all know Paul Ruse being the, the the transformational coach um, in the early two thousands, really building a that revered Sydney Swans culture where he flipped the the normal sporting model on its head, where he you know went to the players and said, "What's the culture that you want to develop?" You know using yeah. an outside consultant to really take the chance out of culture because he, being the great player he was, I think, Ruzi, I'll speak for you, you said to yourself, well, I know culture is important, but that's not my forte, so why wouldn't I, you know, bring in the outside consultants to support me on that journey? We all know what happened then, 2005 Premiership. So, um, and then just the, the, so the culture that still exists at Sydney today is just phenomenal, you know. Culture lasts forever if you get it really right, um, particularly when you, um, reward and recognize and challenge the right behaviors, right? Which is mm. the essence of our work. So, um, fast track um, a few years, Jared Murphy was one of the founders of the original organization. Um, Jez moved over to England in 2010, took, um, you know, decided to work with rugby and a bunch of corporate clients in England. And I knew of Jared because of his work with Geelong, and I knew of Rusey because of being Rusey. And in my personal journey over here in Canada, I was building a company called Aussie X and I was going through my own personal battles as a leader, mostly around um, becoming a bottleneck of decision-making and an inability to, to practice real talk, honest conversations with the staff. But I knew that Jared Murphy was um, an elite you know, facilitator and expert in that space. So I was lucky enough to, 
to connect with Jez. He came to our team at Aussie X right at the pivotal time. We went on Dragon's Den. We became quite well known in the market. The business blew up. And thank God Jez arrived when he did because he taught us, he taught me how to have an honest conversation with the staff. And in essence, they told me to get out of their way. Get out right. of their way. We're all in. Get out of the way. So the yeah. more I did this work, the more I did less. And the less I got stressed and the more happy I was and I wasn't stuck in these lying. I was, I was lying across the board. And two years later, I worked myself out of the company. Um, then I sold the company. And then um, in a funny turn of events, I saw Rusey on Mike Sheehan's open, open mic. mic. Mm. Yep. Yeah, right. His introduction, I was late at night, I couldn't sleep. His introduction was a finished footy. Tammy and I want to look at leadership and mindfulness. And I thought to myself, well, I don't, well, I reckon hey, I should have a talk to Rusey because I want to do that, more of that. So I got a little notepad, I wrote on the floor, I said, email Rusey. <laughs> Threw it under <laughs> the floor. <laughs> so I got up in the morning to remind myself, right, as if I know him, you know. Yeah. So anyway, this here is the email that I sent wow. him. And within 24 hours, I got an email back from Kanga1963 at iinet.net.au and it was Tammy. <laughs> Let's jump on a Skype call. We had a chat and at the time, um, X Movement was really blowing up. I think we'd seen over, you know, 200, you know, half a million kids in our program, but I was doing more corporate stuff. And I said to Rusey, mm -hmm. I know Jared Murphy really well. We've always wanted to do something together. My working with my brother-in-law, who's got a tech background, would you be interested in the conversation? And then Rusey, we had the well, conversation, and then you can take it. You can take it from there. <laughs> yeah. So then we sort of all came together, really, um, and formed the company probably nearly four years ago, Emil. I think it was. So, yeah. yeah to to Emil's probably original point, the good thing was we all had the similar views on how culture worked. Um, the bit that Emil left out was Emil had done some work with Warren's previous company, Market One, and completely changed um, their culture around. Uh, Warren was the CEO. So we all had this really strong connection around the beliefs that, you know, we can take the chance out of culture, you know, role model, you know, leaders should be role models. We'd all sort of loosely worked on the similar framework, and that's how we all came together and said, look, there's got to be something in it. it was as a was sort of the entrepreneur out of all of us and said, look, let's come together and let's build this company. So, yeah, I think the, I think the great part of it is where we all started. So it wasn't actually, we didn't have to talk any one of us around in any sort of concept. We were all yeah. connected with the concepts. And yeah. then we just built the framework and, and built it out out of, you know, Murph's work and, and what Emil was doing and was his input with IT and things like that. So, yeah, I yeah. think the... The way that it evolved has meant that, you know, from day one, we had really the same views around culture, which was great. Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. That's, uh, that's great. I love the fact that you've just written on the floor in your bedroom there, mate. Just email Rusey. And, um, like I, like well, I could just pick up his, his email, but luckily for, for us, that's we real had a guy right that, there. that's right. Yeah. We had a bloke that had um, left Aussie XX movement. He was a plasterer when we met him. He became one of our best energizers. And then when he went back to Australia, he got a job at the Melbourne Football Club. And he's now one of the head guys um, who travels all around Australia with their Indigenous programs and their Auskick work. And I said to Doc, just Google, I put Ruse in your search bar and up came Kanga 1963. And that's how it actually wow. all turned out. 
That's beautiful, beautiful. Well, let, let's get into some uh, some of the, the core of this stuff. So, yeah. I want to I want to start by asking your question, and I'm really curious about your uh, your opinion on this. But given the scope of the world today, do you think that within organisations, well, even even sporting teams, or but let's let's more focus around the organisation concept here, is culture more important today than ever before? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, and I think. I think what we're seeing worldwide, I mean, it's interesting, probably for the first time ever. I mean, none of us lived through World War One or World War Two or something like that. I think we're seeing a world problem. And what, what you're seeing is it's clearly the same pandemic. So it's the same actual disease in the world. Similar mm. doctors that are, you know, that have been to similar schools and things like that, whatever. But the difference comes down to the leader in the country and what they do. So it's a really interesting case study. If you look yeah. at Australia versus America, for instance, you know, again, same disease, same educated doctors, completely different response. What does it yeah. come down to? It comes down to leadership, it comes down to culture, et cetera, et cetera. So, it, again, for the first time in history in our lives, we've, we've got a great world example of how different leadership, you know, creates different cultures. Um, and then, yeah, probably that comes down to, you know, whether you're running, you know, the, the footy club, whether you're running, you know, BHP, whether you're running a small family business. Um, absolutely. Culture has never been more important uh, than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, I, think we're, well, I think we're seeing that, as, as you said, like, there's like one big giant experiment of, you know, obviously the way we handle things, the behaviors, the way we deal with it internally and externally. And that's, and you can't hide from it. Like no. you know, your, your behaviors based on the way you respond to this pandemic, they're yeah. forefront. And with, in today's world with social media, yeah. where we access information, there is really no, you know, I wonder what they're doing over in England to, no. to handle this type of thing, right? It's yeah. just, it's like, boom, it's everywhere and you know it. So I think the important part there, though, Pricey, for the listeners, is the, the distinction of what culture is because okay. uh, still in, in Canada, we talk about this a bit, don't we, Ruzi, that there's still the misconception that it's parties, perks and ping pong, Yeah, you know? So yeah. so then if we've got a culture problem, and I, we've seen this for our own eyes, at, at all hands meetings, the CEO get up and talk about their philanthropy and they'll talk about the big party they had to celebrate the record year they had. And they put that under the culture banner and they mm. sit it next to marketing strategy and they put it almost in the bucket of a project or a campaign. One of the things when we talk about culture, we talk about the behaviors we accept and reward of each other. Right? So by that, it's about behaviors, relationships and honest conversations with each other and then the process to hold it up. So if I was to draw a diagram, culture sits underneath everything and holds everything up. Mm -hmm. So with, with our good behaviours and relationships and real talk and good process, you don't have you have the best strategy, you can have the best service, you have the best products, but we see it all the time. Netflix is no better than Crave or Amazon. Netflix has a better culture. They do things differently. That's why they're winning that particular segment. Right, they do things differently because you know the the services that people and products that people are offering 
aren't necessarily better. Gmail's not the best email out there. <laughs> They've got a yeah. different culture. So that's a really important part of the puzzle that it can't just be let's throw money at the team and give them a gym membership or chuck parties and go, oh, tick the culture box for the next three months. Thank God for that. Yet walk yeah. into a meeting and not be listened to, um, not feel safe to speak your opinion, challenge each other in a harmonious, conflicting kind of way, that balance between the two. That's what we look at as culture. Just on that, and it just sort of brought me to this point here, there's two things I want to touch on. The, the psychological safety that's built by leadership within yeah. a culture framework. One, do you believe that that's got to be an, an intentional yeah. focus point from the leadership, right, to go, like, how do we create psychological safety to build so that our people feel comfortable to, to, to deploy real talk with us yeah. and vice versa and the ability to accept, to receive and give without kind of raising kind of the, the stress levels of each other's nervous systems where we get chaotic, yeah. we, we live in fear. Um, yeah. And then the other part to that question, and we can come back to this one, is on the recognition, you said recognising um, Mm. You know, is there room for both um, recognizing and encouraging failure and success? Yeah. Because that sort of, you know, KPIs, if you're not going to hit your KPIs type thing, we're not going to reward that. But, and, and, but it takes the risk. It takes a lot of the, the things like in my world, flow triggers, where people are going to yeah. perform really well out of the equation because taking chances, being creative and taking a risk yeah. to, uh, leans into our our ability to have autonomy and 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 yes. take you know step into our strengths for for the, uh, lack of better terms. So, is there you know how important is that in a culture, uh, in a framework to be able to go? We we want to reward a certain level of failure because that's going to drive innovation and exponential thinking. Um, and then back to my first point. So yeah, so either one you know. I think, I think the big thing, Pricey, I'll touch on the psychological safety first. I think yeah. when you asked the question before, has culture always been never been more important? I think there's just a more of awareness of the term now. like, And the terms like empowerment, leadership groups, culture, psychological safety. Like when I've turned up at Fitzroy, I had no idea of any of those terms. But yeah. there's still a culture at Fitzroy. So it didn't... It, just because you didn't know what the terms Maybe. were back then didn't mean there wasn't a culture. There's a culture. Everything has a culture. Because to, to, to Emil's point, everyone has behaviours and, and wherever you are, certain behaviours get rewarded and certain behaviours get challenged. But I think, I think what we're seeing now is just more of an awareness of these terms. But I don't think people fully understand what the terms are. And that's probably our greatest expertise is to come in and fill in the gaps. What does psychological safety look like and why is it important? That's the real key. And what, yeah. what fundamentally it is, is the leader again, and all of it gets back to, as we as we go through the 40 minutes, we'll keep getting back to leadership. We'll get yeah. getting back to the behaviours. Because if the first time, if I'm coaching the Sydney Swans and the first time Brett Kirk comes in as captain or Stewie Maxwell was my first captain, so let's talk about Stewie, first thing, Stewie Maxwell walks in and goes, Rusey, yeah, we think you trained, we trained way too hard on Thursday. Now, whilst it didn't absolutely contribute to the loss, we'll take responsibility. Um, yeah, I think, and, and I go, mate, just see you later. You know, that I, I don't even want to hear from you. I haven't created the psychological safety. Now, I might necessarily agree with Stewie, 
but I have to engage in that conversation and I have to make him feel safe. Too often leaders do is they think they need to give the answer straight away. I'm the boss, we'll do it. So they all go hand in hand, empowerment. You can't empower people and not make them feel safe. Yeah, you can't have an executive team if you're a CEO and do everything yourself. So they're all sort of going hand in hand. Emil, you might want to jump in. And then and then the failure, that, that's okay. Failure is just, as long as you're sticking to the, you know, we, we, we lost games where I know we did everything we could, you know, but you have to be able to analyse that. But again, it's, it's about, do you, are you rewarding the actual sale and the budget as opposed to the behaviour that got you just yeah, below yes. the budget? Now, if you're just the budget, you're rewarding the wrong thing because you're not rewarding necessarily the good behaviours. Yeah. 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 That's that's exactly right. And to Bruzy's point, the the corporate world is starting to understand because when we look at the last 20, 30 years, there's been a lot of um, huge breakdowns. Wells Fargo in the 80s, they had these astronomical targets where people were literally making the the staff, the team members were making fake bank accounts to hit quotas, yeah. which destroyed you know, um, Google was stepping over um, sexist behaviour and and poor behaviour by leaders because, well, why, who cares? We're making squillions. Like, the scoreboard's yeah. just ticking over. So we, we tolerate poor behaviour. The reality is you can get great results and behave terribly, Right. And you can get poor results but behave really well. Sometimes you might be going for an RFP and cousin Mick is the guy who's making the decision and his cousin's in the other company. And you might have the best presentation, you prepare really well, you rehearse, you knock it out of the park, but we don't. We found out that cousin Mick gave it to little Johnny, his nephew. So what, we stop preparing and rehearsing our pitch? No, we catch the good behaviour and go, right, we did everything we could. We just got beaten. Yeah. Next. So it's, I think one thing that I, I love about what we do, uh, I'm really getting right into it now because we're using it a lot, is helping companies measure performance on results and marrying it with the behaviour. Yeah. And that's the best thing that leaders can do, I think. And um, I remember my journey was um, similar with the empowerment thing. I thought in my head in the early days at Aussie X that leadership was answer a question I was the only phys ed teacher in the company so I knew all the answers and I got off on knowing all the answers but all that did was lead them lead the team to always asking me what to do whenever something didn't go very well or me stepping in going so I'll fix it yeah so working with Jared Murphy I'll never forget one of the behaviors we created was what do you reckon being being a bunch of Aussies in Canada so I got silicon wristbands we got good on you mate written on them which is one of our other behaviors but what do you reckon so every time a um, team member came to me with a question i had to answer back with what do you reckon yeah and then it just created this cycle of problem solving to the point where i'm like that's a way better answer than what i thought <laughs> yeah. and the more i said what do you reckon the less i did the more empowerment and it was just a great place to to work I'm very proud and i'm just i'm just so thankful and grateful that jared you know came into our life when he did because um yeah i was ready to to row row, row across the pacific back to yeah. australia at that stage yeah 
Yeah, I mean, no, Simon, I love- Simon, Simon Sinek talks about it really well, doesn't he? Like, he, he's probably yeah, one of the best. Yeah. He, says, he says the scoreboard's wrong. You know, we've got the scoreboard mm. wrong, which is a really good way to, to look at it. We're rewarding the wrong things in the corporate world. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just um, I'm just coming to the end of the uh, the infinite game uh, myself right Thank now, you. and and taking a lot of value in that, and and relating to my own sporting career, and even as a the, the national coach, you know what was what was looked at, and one of my favourite books, and I know Emil that you're all over this one as well, and I would assume that you've come across this as well, Paul, that uh, the the score takes care of itself, Bill Walsh, yeah, yeah. Um, philosophy of leadership, like. Just that con- just that statement itself, the scoreboard takes yeah, care of itself, yeah. is yeah. something I constantly go back to in my coaching with executives and, and athletes of going, you know, it's not it's not about what happens at the, at the end of the game. It's like what happens in the here and now. Like what is the, what is what are you focused on? What is your attention presently on? Are you, and are you fully here? And, and so this kind of leads into my, my next question a little bit, but to bring that present moment where, where we are in our, our strengths and power, we're not too far thinking in the future, we're not thinking in the past, we're actually here in this moment having this real talk conversation, we're engaging in the behaviours that we want our culture to, mm. to embody. So let's, let's talk about the, the impact of well-being on, on the ability to sustain that, to stay in that moment where real talk can get a little tough and challenging, yeah, yeah, especially when yeah. it starts to pull on the triggers of our own ego a little bit. Yeah. Now, how important is optimizing that that sort of that nervous system, the well-being piece, you know, in, in able to sustain that, especially as a leader when the pressure's on, when things are changing, the KPIs might not be being met, but what you're measuring on the scoreboard, you might be under mm, that pressure. Yeah. And what are some of the your viewpoints on how important is that to, to make sure that you're turning up optimized first and foremost before you can actually lead culture um, of, of what we're talking about? Yeah, look, certainly from our point of view, performance by design, it's one of our biggest focus areas now, Mill, isn't it? I mean, we've, yeah, it we've spoken about it for a long period of time, but what you've traditionally had, and you would know, Price, is I'm going to get a leadership consultant in um, and I'm going to pay them a fair bit of dollars. Um, does anyone know a yoga teacher or does anyone know a meditation teacher? Look, we've, we've got a couple hundred bucks or can you get them to come in and do yeah. it for, for nothing or something like that? So we've had this mentality that they're separate. Well, the sooner we get them locked in together like this, we're just adding a wellness piece now to our, uh, our institute, Tammy, who's a meditation teacher. And what you learn from sport is so important. You know, like we, we introduced meditation in 2003 where Tammy came in and did it. And sport is a truly high-performing industry. What, what, how do we provide a much better environment for the players? Now, clearly we're a physical industry. But that might involve, you know, I recognise that there was only so much more we could do with, you know, a 3K time trial. You know, a best runner might get it down from, yeah. you know, 9.50 to 9.45, you know, five, <laughs> five seconds. You know, a worse yeah. runner could better. But suddenly above the shoulders, this is where the opportunity now presents itself in leadership. You know, one yeah. of the best quotes I've heard is your own health will determine the health of your business. It's so r- relevant. So we're now putting a big focus on pulling this thing together. Leadership has to be about if we've got you know, a purpose, value, and behaviors, and we're serious about our people, we now need to build some behaviors or, or yeah. values into yeah. our mission statement that then yeah. drive our wellness program. We can't just say, Yeah, we look after our people, and then, you know, a number of meetings I go to, and yeah, you know, what do you do? Oh, you know, 
yeah, no, we, we had a yoga teacher in, and they'll look at the the HR people and culture person, the CEO, and, you yeah, know, that was two and a half years ago. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, two well, and a half years well, ago. What about this one, Rosie? Well, have you got any values and behaviours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just bring it up. Give us a second. Yeah. And then they go to their document <laughs> to try to go recite their values, right? And yeah. Yeah. By virtue of your values, that if you if you're using them effectively, and this is I, I see this a lot when we consult, we see this when we consult, is your values are there to guide your decision making and conversations, particularly under pressure. Mm. Yeah. So when when we've got a, a tough decision to make, do we go the easy route or do we t- t- tell the client the truth and just own up and say, look, we've missed the deadline, but we're working on it, or do we say, yeah, yeah, we're getting it to you, and then line it comes back to bite us on the bum you know it we, we have to be using our values to make decisions on an ongoing day-to-day basis because if we don't they they quite and we yeah. see it all the time they yeah. quite literally are the the words on the wall so it's yeah. about bringing them down there into the psyche so that when yeah we've got to make a decision that's got to be through our values and behaviours. Yeah. And once you use values and behaviours, once you've got those clearly defined and you know them, it acts, it acts as a filtering mechanism, as you're suggesting, right. which lowers yeah. cognitive load, which makes us, it simplifies the actual options that are available to you, right? Or should we should we lie to the client or should we just send them half of it yeah. and say, oh, we're just, we're, we're fixing something. You, know, you can come up with a million different things, right? And the amount of time you actually spend filtering through all those excuses reasons mm. or possible responses you've spent half an hour that you could have actually yeah, been sitting right. on fixing the fucking rapport anyway right so <laughs> so it sort of acts if you actually truly are aligned with that the purpose values and behaviors and you know them it streamlines decision making so effectively lowers cognitive load lowers stress and on the flip side you know the the honesty and the trust that you're building with the clients or your your people is so significant that it brings you into that present moment, that kind of the, into, into that more the flow area, which That's is right. more in my sort of uh, things I yeah. like to bring into the, the equation is how do you encourage a, uh, a culture of, of flow? Like, and just back on your point around the, um, which is, what do you reckon? Like that. <laughs> yeah, what do you reckon? That itself. So Keith Sawyer's work around um, group flow, group genius, he wrote a book, um, one of the group flow triggers he talks about is and yes, meaning yes, like yeah. you can't say no. And I think yeah. Amazon put in a thing, if you want to say no to someone's idea, you've got to write a two-page document to yeah. say why you're going to say, why we have to say no to this. To yeah, encourage that. And it, oh, yeah, and yes, and yes. And what do you reckon? Oh, I reckon this, yeah. What do you reckon? Well, I reckon on top of that. So you're actually, yeah. um, you're, you're actually triggering people's neurochemistry through this yeah, process yeah. of culture, values, behaviour and um yeah, yeah, yeah. And ultimately, if you've if you've created that psychological safety, or let's say if you have it, your alarm goes off in the morning. What's the last place you want to go to? The place you're about to spend <laughs> the place you're about to spend eight, nine, ten hours in. That's the last yeah. place you want to go. To. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how how can you possibly? This is what I don't understand about leaders that don't create a safe environment. You've got a whole heap of people coming into work that cannot optimize their performance. And your whole goal as a leader is to optimize everyone's performance. It just doesn't, it's mind bogglingly stupid for the leader to create a negative, you know, fear-based environment because his whole job is to make everyone else better, you know, 
So it, it, it's, it makes sense, but we I talk about common sense is not that common, you know, and that's <laughs> unfortunately, and we've never yeah. seen, it's never been more uncommon in the world today. Well, it's just becoming so much so obvious now, right, where I think that organisations are starting to sort of open up and go, okay, we need, you know, our people are asking for this flexibility that we've now seen is possible, you know, work from home, work in different locations, you know, um, but you know, and coming from myself, from a from a, a, a an organisation that was exactly what we talked about, did not optimise the people. It was all about micromanagement, KPIs, just and it's such a, and that was inevitably the reason why I left uh, yeah. one of my most passionate roles I've ever had, and and how that is just accepted so. And not even question, even when it's brought up, yeah. going, oh, it's just, you know, we've got, oh, we've got to hit these targets. And yeah. it's just, and the damage that it does to people's, and this is where I love, where I get really passionate about this is going, yeah, but people, as you, to your point, Paul, they're going to spend eight, nine hours a day with these people in that environment. And we don't have to talk much about emotional contagion to, to realize that the effect that that has on people's well being is. Yeah. It's distressing and people deserve better because yeah. <clears throat> we know that an engaged workplace, active engagement in the workplace leads to, you know, a better, a happier life. Yeah. Better productivity, mm. better sales, yeah. better bonuses. Yeah. You know, it it, it yeah. does this. You've got to have, so my question to you guys is like, how do you um, take a leadership, you know, that is on that other side of the fence, on the, the side that we, we're not that, um, encouraging of and get them to understand the damage that's been done long term <clears throat> yeah to go you know you might have to suffer some short-term pain here but yeah the <clears throat> infinite gain to simon Sinek's terms is way more important to people if you say you care about them well these are the behaviors you need to start embedding yeah how do we how do we get leaders to make that switch because that's a that, mm. you know, like there's a massive behavioral change that needs yeah. to be <clears throat> yeah yeah yeah, you've right. triggered you've triggered me here, Pricey, because that's um that's almost that's my personal why to this work is is exactly that. Um, you know, coming from education and a phys ed teacher, I remember a very funny day when I was coaching the grade eight girls volleyball team, and I sat down with one of the students at a tournament, and I was able to, in conversation, figure out which girls on the team had their parents at home, who were either, you know, divorced, together, overworking, because the impact on the kids. And so then when I got out of the educational world and got into the corporate space, the why behind the work is, well, if we can, if we, and this is a great thing about working with Ruzi and, and Jez and Roz and Carly and Dave, we get to work with the executive team. So if you can get them right, then it trickles down and actually affects my son who's two and a half in 20 years time tyler dylan and all that so that's a massive why i think we do what we do but, the, but to get to your answer how we flip it around is we have a process that actually puts the leader in the seat with the team looking up at them providing them with direct feedback on how they're performing as our first real talk mechanism right and in that moment and, and i speak from experience and Bruce, you will as well because you would have gone through this 
that feeling of going, hang on, I'm now the one getting the feedback. Because in corporate especially, the higher you get, the less feedback you get. Less feedback. And that's where that's where the problem, that's where the problem lies. Yep. You're sitting behind the, the spreadsheet adding another zero and just destroying hundreds of people's lives, like you know, um, Golden Sachs and Enron and all that. That's that's pretty soft for me, sitting behind a spreadsheet and adding a few extra zeros have taken a few off. Yeah. The hard skills of business is actually sitting there with your peers in silence, only being able to say thank you, and then telling you why they love you and what you they think you can improve on. I don't know why and where this world became soft and hard skills, and the soft skills is the real talk, and the hard skills is lying behind a spreadsheet with no one around. Like yeah, I love, I love that. How did I that come? That. So that I, I, I often me. say as well, like it takes more courage to rest and recover as a high performer and to do, you know, <laughs> to, to engage in well-being protocols like taking time off and, yeah. you know, going and doing some active recovery. That's actually going to restore energy yeah. and neurochemistry back into your body that you can actually turn up the next day and be the best version yeah. of yourself. Because we all know yeah. that once we've, we have that great weekend away, and we, we have a lot of fun and we, we kind of, you know, we get a lot of flow on. And then the result of that is we turn up Monday as like this lit up person and they go, who the hell is that? But so on yeah. to the last point, because I want to be mindful of the time here. I know you guys are, have got some other things going on, but when you sort of, you know, when the leaders are turning up into that sort of lit up space and they have that energy flowing, you know, if from, from that point of view, my, my opinion is that, it's easy it's, it's so much easier to leave because the hard work's been done right so it's like you've got to do that internal work first to show up afterwards but the result of you showing up as a um, lit up has an impact on everyone the ripple effect right yeah. all the way down to families members right i'm a big believer in that also but how important is it um to to the consistency of leadership now because you can be, you can turn up one day going, yeah, and yeah. they're going, oh my God, like yeah. Roger there is just, how awesome was he today? And the next yeah. day he's chewing your ear off, like just berating you for that one little mistake you made on a report um, yeah. or, yeah, foot or error on the footy field. The inconsistency in leadership, you know, how damaging, you know, I, do you think that's more damaging than a poor leadership, consistent poor leadership or inconsistent yeah. leadership? You know, what, what's your opinion on that? I think you've just got to. I think you got to define what leadership is. I think that's the biggest part of the problem. And to to Meal's point four, you know, what we tend to do is promote on technical skills. Yeah, we we tend to promote on technical skills, and then we wonder why our exec team are incompetent leaders. It's not that. It's actually not their fault. They've never been actually taught what leadership is. So to your mm. point, Pricey, the, the the greatest one of the greatest things a leader can have is self-awareness. And through self-awareness, it's exactly what you're talking about. Alarm goes off at seven o'clock. I, I jump out of bed and I realise I'm in a bad mood. Okay. I, now I realise if I go into the office right now, and I talk about this all the time, are you, is it, are you an energy giver as a leader or are you sucking the energy out of the room? Oh, yeah. here comes Bruzy, fantastic. Or here comes Rosie. Oh, I've got to get into this other meeting or I've got to go somewhere. Yeah. So this, the, the, the ability to be consistent to me comes back to self-awareness and the yeah. impact you're having on your staff. 
I'm in a bad mood. I've got up. And I had this very conversation with a leader the other, like two days ago in some one-on-one coaching. <laughs> Don't go into work. Go and have a coffee. Go for a walk. Because your staff doesn't want you there as that person. Your yeah. staff wants the best version of you to turn up to the office at yeah. 7 30, 8 o'clock in the morning. That is your responsibility to them. So don't go into now that comes back to self-awareness and this 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 perception of a leader it has to be there and has to make decisions and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So the ability to redefine in that moment, hang on. If I'm in a bad mood because I've had a fight last night with my wife or my kids or whatever my responsibility to my staff is still to turn up as the leader I wish I had. And that's the way we talk about them here, isn't it? Are you the leader you wish you had? Right. So there's another really good way to look at it. No. All right. I'm going to put some joggers on. I'm going to walk around the lake. I'm going to to get in half an hour late because that half an hour I spend on myself, to your point, Price, is the most valuable half an hour you're going to spend then that day. Yeah, yeah, that's the most productive thing that you could do for your... The most yeah. productive thing you can work. do on that day yeah. It yeah. is going to set up your whole day. Jump in the yeah. car, go straight to work. That's the worst <clears throat> thing you can possibly do. Yeah, and that's yeah. why there's a level of inconsistency because people aren't preparing themselves yeah. for the role of leader. They're just yeah. still in that work space. Yeah. I'm a player worker. Yeah. It's the player coach syndrome, Emil, that you talk yeah. well, yeah, really yeah. a lot about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The um, And the... The um to the to lean on Amy Edmondson's research as well around the way you show up and the psychological safety piece. She's the leader out of Harvard on psychological safety. If you have to attend the meeting because you, you you can't, you're better off going in going guys. I'm pretty flustered right now. I just had a big blue with me kids and I'm just I'm bloody angry. And can you give me five minutes just to yep. get me head in the gear? Absolutely, because then you've also now you're starting to kick into these um, other hormones and performance chemicals that, yeah, for sure, like we want to help. So that's the other part. Yeah. Right? Like we fight, or yeah. we, you know, we've got that part. That, so it oh, triggers some empathy and some trust there, like some vulnerability, right? You actually. That, that's right. That's really right. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think it's a great way. I thought we're wrapping up now, but yeah. communication. Everything gets solved <laughs> by communication. Like Emil's yeah. got it's a great example. Again, getting back to the conversation with this other guy the other day, it was really built around that foundation of you. You are mm. better to walk in and say, Call it out. Guys, I'm really, really busy. I'm going to be really a hard ass today. I apologize yeah. off the bat. I have to get to the other project. Please follow up with me. Communication, it's a, it's a two minute you know, little yeah. spiel yeah. that then people go, okay. And maybe at the end of the day, you get a couple of text messages, mate. Thanks for today. I know you're busy. Probably would have preferred if you didn't speak to me like that. But can I do something for you? You know, yeah. Gee, that's a completely yep. different conversation. But pricey, we don't. We just don't want to communicate as as well. We think about talking down, talking down, talking down, rather yeah. than let's have a conversation. Yeah. Which take a five minutes just talking across to each other. Yeah. yeah. 100 yeah, as yeah, yeah. and you've got to be out. very intentional you asked before about that there has to be intention and and that's what i think i love most about that our work is having that objective of you to help leaders realize that it's okay not to have the answers it's okay to call out that you're not okay and um be very intentional about the way you're showing up and creating safety because Ruzi's point before is exactly right it's 
the team member comes to you with bad news and you rip their head off, they're not going to come to you with bad news again when they, you know, they should. They should be coming mm. to you with a crack in the glass, got the glass all over the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's all over yeah. the floor. Now you're, now you're in the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really about, and that's one of the pieces that I'm, I, I like to talk about is it's bringing the human element to performance. Yeah. Like it's really like we're, we're humans. We're all going to screw stuff up. We're all going to make mistakes. Yeah. We're all going to feel stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, happy, yeah. joyful, elated, you know, productive, unproductive. But it's, it comes back to what you said, Ruzi, self-awareness to know where are you at any given moment and what, yeah. what are the tools that you have at your disposal to affect your state, to actually get yourself back into yeah. a performance state where That's you can right. be the leader that you wish that you yeah. have. Yeah, so, beautiful. Well, 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 guys, look, guys, um, look, I know I, I, I know we could probably all sit here and talk yeah. uh, a ton about this sort of stuff, um, but I, I just really want to express my gratitude to you both for the work you're doing. You're both inspiring to me, and um, and like I'm, I'm super grateful to have this chance to chat with you both about this, um, about this really impactful um, industry and this work that you're doing, um, which aligns with what I, what I'm passionate about as well. So thanks for taking the time. Thanks for dropping nice, some really awesome thanks, knowledge. Thanks, uh, Thanks, mate. Talk to you all soon. Great to see yeah, you, mate. Catch up. See you, boys. Bye. Thank you for dialing into the Flowcast. I hope you took away some valuable insights to make your challenges and journey a little more epic. If you'd like to learn more about how we can help you find more flow and upskill your vision and mindset, check out our flow programs at www.inspiredpeakperformance.com. Thanks again for sharing your valuable time with us and please feel free to share and subscribe to the Flowcast. Until next time, get out there, find your flow, and create your own inspired peak performances daily.